Welcome to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. This week's message is The Good Life, Part 2, Poor in Spirit, recorded Sunday, January 14th, 2024. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Now here's Scott with today's message. Uh, We are in this series uh, called The Good Life, and I want to ask you a, a question. Do we deserve it? Do we deserve a good life? I think we struggle with that. I mean, we, we might not say we do, but some will say, oh, yeah, I deserve it, you know, and then they think about it, and maybe they go, oh, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I would say that the majority of my relationships are rich and rewarding when I put an effort in. Like, I think sometimes we think, well, I can earn this good life, and, and then other times we, we might say, well, it's just been handed to me. I really didn't deserve it at all. I'm, when you're talking about the everyday things, like the things where relationships are involved, for instance, generally speaking, when I treat people well, I get that in return, generally speaking. I maybe deserve it from the perspective that I've earned it. You know, I'm respectful, I'm helpful, those things. And then there, there are people, and you, there are just people who bless you. They, you know, you're just so grateful for them, and they just... Maybe you don't even feel like you earned it or you deserve it. It could be a spouse that just loves you through everything. It can be a, you know, it can be people who have blessed you beyond measure, and you go, I don't deserve that. Yeah, yeah. So, I would call that like the the micro blessings of life. And the Sermon on the Mount is going to teach us all kinds of lessons about how to bless each other. By the way, as we go forward in this series, like we're going to learn all kinds of ways to, to to bring blessing in life. I think one of the reasons I think that Nebraska and, yes, even states like Iowa and Kansas can be qualified as the good life is because I think still the majority of the people who live in these places, we, we offer people goodness. Like, we have some goodness about us that we can bring. Like, we talked about it last month. Remember, we talked about how love is patient and kind and, and it's humble and it's not boastful, it's not proud and doesn't seek its own, it's, it's protective, it's trusting, it's forgiving, you know, those things. And that was a good series, I thought, because it helped us to really prepare for what's happening now with our teaching. But again, do I deserve, do I deserve, do I deserve blessing? Do I deserve a good life? I don't know, maybe it's the right question, maybe it's the wrong question. Brendan started this out last week, and he said, sometimes we confuse our version of what's good with what God would say, I'm offering you as good. And I will say this, if you're struggling with some of the micro blessings of life, it's sure hard to feel the macro blessings. Like, just recently, and even today, we have a number of people in our church that are struggling with physical health issues that just hit them. And they're afraid and they're worried about how their future is going to be lived out. And we've been grieving with a lot of people over the last month or, or, or so who have lost deeply, are hurting, they're hurting. And they're buried in that grief. And this time of year can work against those who struggle with anxiety and depression. And this time of year incomes get stretched because the heating bills soar and the car doesn't run because it's 40 below zero, you know, and, 
and December spending as January visa statements. And so there are micro-blessings that we appreciate, a roof over our head, a furnace that actually works, a car that will start, a job that pays the bills, a spouse that we can snuggle up to and stay warm, a, a child or three that brings energy into our, our cold lives. And they're blessings. Those are blessings, wonderful blessings. But what Jesus talks about in these Beatitudes that we're going to be going through is something that I'm going to call macro, a macro blessing, a, a huge promise that's brought personally from God from heaven to earth to us, like delivered to us personally. And, and thousands of thousands of people on a hillside in AD 31, 32 or so, they really weren't much different than us. They, they were just people who had need and, and the Son of God came to earth to deliver something to us that is macro good, that's a mega good blessing. But here's my problem, and maybe it's one that you can relate to. It's a problem that David Zahn calls enoughness. It's this deep-seated belief that I can never be enough to be blessed by God. And it's really what the world pounds into you, that you're never going to be enough. And we fear it. Like, I need to know I'm enough, but yet I fear that I could ever be enough. Like this micro stuff, I mean, there's probably some reasons I should better myself and improve myself and treat people differently, and I think that's possible. But this macro blessing, this in my approach to God, that's where things get really messed up because what gets in the way, I think there's several things that get in the way, actually. Here's three that I can think of. The first is shame. So I can, do you have this, as I do, this critical inner voice that's always saying to me, I am not enough and I never will be because of who I am. Like, I believe that voice, that shameful voice. Another thing that I think keeps us from believing enough that we're enough is pressure. And that's the cultural pressure that drives something into my soul. It says, you need to try harder. You need to be more. You need to do more. You need to get more so that you can prove that you're worth something. And then a third one, which I want to spend a little bit more time on, something that pushes against our enoughness is isolation. It's my drive for connectedness and making myself worthy for others. And if I don't feel connected, I can be in a crowd like this and be the loneliest person on earth. And that opens me up to a whole variety of emotional and psychological and even physical manifestations of pain. And then we start doing unhealthy things with pain to try to mask it or to fix it. Rachel Wurzman is a neuroscientist and a medical ethnicist, whatever that is, and she believes that much of depression and anxiety and the opioid crisis is precipitated by loneliness created by isolation. And, and, and I'm going to call it poverty of the soul. I don't think she uses that term, but I do. And because of it, we believe the lie that we can never count on anything to fill us, even God. And so we do opioids, and we abuse them. We 
We, we abuse alcohol. We eat impulsively. We, social disconnection is dangerous because we do everything and anything we can think of that will fill our enoughness. And listen, that is why we need a kingdom. Back to 80, 31, 32, whenever it was. How would we describe that crowd back then? The people on that hillside. I think we would just look at ourselves and say it's just like us. Like people struggling with enoughness. Like most of us, probably all of us, those masses on that hillside, they were diverse, they were tribal, they had ethnic differences. Some were sick. They'd been wounded in life, whether physically, mentally, socially, economically, whatever. They were bullied. They felt marginal. I would say most struggled with impurity, impurity of the soul, because, hey, they were sinners too. Everyone sins. Some were even demon-possessed because he was dealing with that. Now, how do you think the people who came to that hillside thought that God felt toward them. Do you think they were thinking, oh, God loves me, I'm blessed? I don't think so. But they'd heard about this guy who has a message of blessing. And so I think they came just like many of us come into a room like this, or if you're online with us, joining us there. I think they came feeling disappointed in themselves, maybe disgusted with themselves angry at others for not blessing them, wondering, do I even exist? And especially to God, does God believe I exist? And that's the attitudes that I think gather here. No matter who you are and what your supposed status in life, all of us carry this nagging dilemma and, and, and we bring it to the place where Jesus will meet us if we have any kind of sense of hope. We bring that idea that if, if I do matter, he'll show me. He'll care. But the question is, am I worthy of that? Am I worthy of blessing? How can my need for enoughness, my need for blessing, how can that be mine? Now, here's what Jesus says. Ready for this? Here's the answer. Poor. Huh? No, thank you. I mean, I can hear the size. Poor? No, thank you, but no, you know, thank you, but no, thank you. I, like, I've been there, I've done that, I am there, I'm doing that. Like, I know what poor is, and I don't want anything to do with poor. I know what it's like not to have. I know what it's like to see the writing on the wall and not have an eraser. I, I, I know what poor health is, and no, thank you, no more of that. I know what it's like to crouch and cower and to be beaten under the weight of failure and brokenness and poverty. I don't want that. The people on the mountain long ago were poor that way too. Most of them, most of them were poor physically and, and financially. Uh, who are those among them? And for that matter, who are those among us who are looking for this thing called the good life? They were the lost. They were the abandoned. They were in shame, many of them. They were addicted to something. They were confused. They had fear. They felt judged. 
they thought they were damaged goods. Some of them were damaged by the religion that was trying to talk to them. What is meant by poor in spirit? Now, I could go into detail and use Greek words that I can't say. But poor in spirit, listen, is one who is admittedly so spiritually destitute in their own thinking that they have to put their whole trust in God. So the, the word there that I want to focus on is admittedly. And, and again, it's to crouch, to cower before God. It's the person who's been beaten to their knees in the understanding that only God can satisfy their broken spirit. Okay? And, and here's the way I want to state it. How satisfied is the one who is at the place of putting one's whole trust in God alone. That's what it means to be poor in spirit. That, that I recognize that my confidence can be found and established only in the one who came to bless me, and that's God. How my blessedness comes when I recognize that my strength and my worthiness is found only in God, my complete dependence only in God because of my recognition of my complete spiritual bankruptcy. It's being driven to my face, knowing that my need for God's grace is greater than any other need I'll ever have. Now, how's that feel? See, you're not going to believe what God has to say to you in all this as we go forward in the Beatitudes. But what he's really showing us is he's pursuing you. He's, he's pursuing you. He's offering you a kingdom, the kingdom of God. Now listen, I, the kingdom of heaven, that, there's a lot of definitions that we're going to talk about as we go forward. But listen, the kingdom of heaven in, in, in the most pure sense in my mind means that I have connection to God through Jesus. Connection to God being in, in his place, in his purpose, in his life through Jesus. What does it mean to live in the promise of the kingdom of heaven? Well, he's telling the embarrassed. He's telling the broken. He's telling us who are shamed. He's telling us to embrace the reality that we are not enough, but he is. Now, how, that first audience that Jesus was talking to as he started roaming around the countryside, there were about three million people that lived in this small area that he taught in. And here's what it says in Matthew 4 about these people. It says, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness, sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan, they followed him. The who? That describes them. A term that was used about them is Amos Haris, the people of the land. 
these were the people, okay? Talk about the people. These are the people, like the blind, the oppressed, the marginalized. Those who have been led to believe by powerful people that they didn't matter, that they didn't have a vote, that their vote didn't count. Like, like the impure people who were embracing the fact that they needed more. The, those who were feeling unlovable because they experienced it. And by the way, who is that? See, here's the ironic joke about all this. Here, here's the irony. That's you. And it's me. We are all in that category. We are the real people. Like I, I think Nebraska's kind of, we kind of pride it. We are the real people. And you are the real, real people because you actually got your car started and you got to a church building or at least you got up and you're still in your jammies, but you're joining us. We love you too. But here's the point. Most people, most people see themselves as the real people. And you are. We are mainstream and we also understand our unworthiness if we really will go there. And we also understand that there's a void that we experience through our own choices and through the experience of our world. But blessing promises that I can be in his world, his kingdom. And we under, need to understand there's at least two paths to, bre- to blessing. And, there's, and, and, and these two paths are available to you. I want you to understand this clearly. The first path is the do it path. Like do it. Like do it by religion. Do it by following regulations. Listen, perfectly. That's the, that's the establishment path. And he talks about it in, uh, the Bible talks about it in Psalm chapter 1, verse 1, 2. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or take a seat in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. In other words, if you can do it perfectly, if you can live out God's law perfectly, like you don't, you're not going to be a sinner and you're going to follow the law with perfection, and you're going to be righteous, and you're also going to meditate on the law day and night, you're in. How's that going for you? Like, I'm out, okay? That's a hard path. Now, here's a second way. Not the do-it way, the get-it way. We get it by restoration. Restoration comes from resignation. Okay, what does that mean? Psalm 32, 1 and 2. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are what? Forgiven. Audience participation here, okay? Blessed are the ones whose sins are covered. Thank you, that sounds so much better. Thank you, online crowd. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against us and whose spirit in whose spirit is no deceit. That description describes someone else doing it for you, not you doing it for yourself. But you got to resign yourself to that. How do we get enoughness? How do we get the status? It comes strictly through the efforts of a God who came into our world and then at the age of probably 32 or so walked up on a hill and said to the world, I got blessing for you. I'm going to give it to you. 
I'm going to hand it to you. And you're going to have a kingdom. And the king did it, and his patrons benefit from it, and it's not on your own merits. Blessed are the poor in spirit, and enviable are you, enviable are you who are formerly unenviable. You want to flourish. You want to have a different kind of life. You want to not be broken down by the addictions and pains of life, but rather you want to have a new kind of life, a good life. He says, here it is. He offers it to you, the kingdom of heaven. Now, us Western Christians misunderstand that concept of kingdom of heaven. We, we have been led to believe through the teaching of our, of our four centuries of teaching from theologians that the kingdom of heaven is something in the future, when in fact Jesus said he came to bring it, that he brought the kingdom of heaven. And that means that he came here. Jesus was there. Jesus is here. The kingdom is here and now. Tim Smith describes this blessedness as the aware ones. And here's how he puts it, and this is pretty raw. He says, the aware are the flunkouts, the dropouts, the burnouts, the broken, the broke, the drug heads, the divorced, the HIV positive, the herpes ridden, the brain damaged, the incurably ill, the overemployed, the underemployed, the unemployed, the unemployable, the swindled, the shoved aside, the replaced, the parents with children living on the street, the children with parents dying in the rest home, the lonely, the incompetent, the stupid, the emotionally starved and emotionally dead. And then he says this, this is the condition of life sought for by human beings through the ages, but is quietly transformed through friendship with Jesus. And then he says this, and he, he, he's a man who had a, has a street ministry where people are really raw and rugged, but he says this, and such were some of you. And such were some of you. But as one beggar found bread, now I can go to them and tell them where I found bread. I can go to the murderer and say, you can be blessed in the kingdom of God. There is forgiveness for you. Jesus says, you are the poor in spirit. You are the powerless. You are the shameful. And blessing is here. Because God is here. And he is yours. We're going to commune together and we're going to celebrate a God who came in to change everything. To bring the kingdom of heaven to us. Then I want to come back and just finish this up with some thoughts. Lord Jesus, King of king of the universe and all things contained in it, but also all things beyond it. The King Jesus who came into our world, we celebrate that you paid a price, a deep price, so that we could be renewed and remade and, and reconciled, that you covered us, that you forgave us, and you will continue to do so for those who will be blessed by admitting that our enoughness can never be enough unless we acknowledge that you are enough. In Christ's name we pray, amen. I ask the question, are you worthy? 
Are you worthy of God's love? Are you worthy of blessing? I, I was talking to somebody many years ago, and she's now with the Lord, I believe. She's deceased and has gone to be with the Lord. Delightful lady. And I'd known her for some time because she'd been coming to church here, and she'd been very active, really as active as any of our members. But she'd never taken the step to be baptized. And so she was ready to do that. We had a conversation about it. And, and she, she told me some things. She said, you know, I was baptized as a baby, and I've attended church my whole life. She, she has pins that prove that she had perfect attendance in Sunday school. And she talked to me about how she loves serving, and I believe that with all my heart. She really did love serving, and how she loved our church, she loved our messages, and all that stuff. You know, really, it's kind of a, a story of this is what, I, what I've done. And I don't know what caught me on that, but I just, I interrupted her, and I was probably a little rude. I, I, I looked at it later, I think it's a little rude, but I asked her this, or I, I said this to her, I said, I'm sorry, but you know that's not enough, right? And I, was, I think I was nice about it, but it was a point, you know? And I caught her off guard, and I think it embarrassed her a little bit. I, wasn't, I didn't intend to do that. I wanted her to know that what she was about to do was not about her being enough. It was about God being enough for her. And we had a good moment and a good prayer and tears, and she walked forward in baptism, and it was great. It was wonderful. But I think that sometimes we approach our spirit attitude as I'm applying for college and if I get in, I made it. Or, you know, if, if I do the right things, I can be in the club. And that is not what, it, what it's like. That's not it. Here's the thing. We celebrate that he wants a relationship with us and that he brings the dues, not us. See, he's not looking for more of you, okay? He wants you to acknowledge that there's more than enough of him for you. And I ask the question, do I deserve it? And I will say the answer is I do. And so do you. Why? Because he says so. That's why. Because he says so. So don't be afraid. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Acknowledge your need, and his kingdom will be added to you. Thanks for listening to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. Please join us for one of our worship services at 9, 10, 15, or 11.30 a.m. in Grand Island and at 10, 15 a.m. in Broken Bow on Facebook Live and at thirdcityc.online.church each Sunday. For more information about Third City Christian Church, send email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Call us at 308-384-5038 or visit us online at thirdcityc.org.